let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on ZDCast DC. So for years, DC has paid rent to landlords on behalf of poor people who might otherwise live in public housing. But a recent Washington Post investigative series reports that the city has been shelling out way, way, way more than those apartments would get on the open market. And this is not just some wonky budget thing. The pattern has real impact both for people using housing vouchers and for anyone else in D.C. who's trying to find a place to live. Today is Monday, March 13th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what D.C. is talking about. Steve Thompson from The Washington Post, you are the author of a boffo investigative story about the D.C. Housing Authority overpaying landlords for certain housing units, often by quite a lot of money. What is going on here? For a couple of years, we've seen anecdotal evidence that in certain places, the D.C. Housing Authority is paying above market on behalf of low-income voucher holders in various parts of the city. So. My colleague Dalton Bennett and I wanted to see if we could sort of prove that this was happening and quantify in some way. And what we found was pretty interesting. Can we back up for just a sec? How is the system supposed to work, like ideally? So under federal and city regulations, housing authorities are not supposed to pay more on behalf of voucher holders than others might pay out of their own pockets. So HUD lays out some instructions on, on how this is supposed to work. And there are essentially two mechanisms to avoid overpay. The first is uh, for the public housing authority to set what's called a payment standard or potentially various payment standards across a city And these are limits on what it's willing to pay. And the idea there is to steer voucher holders to moderately priced units. The second mechanism is what's called a reasonableness process. And the idea there is to check each individual unit that a voucher holder may want to rent and see what it might go for on the open market and ensure that the housing authority is not paying more for that unit than comparable units on the market. So we've now entered the system, though, where someone is an apartment that would fetch like $1,000 on the open market. You will take a voucher for $2,000 for that. So effectively, the city, the taxpayers are paying much more than this landlord could get from a cash paying tenant. How is that changing the behavior of landlords? In many cases, we've seen landlords that structure a business plan around 
the guarantee that they're going to get, in many cases, inflated rents for what they build or develop or redevelop. We talked to a banker uh, who said that he's financed a handful of projects in which the developer would take an older building and gut it and reconfigure it uh, so that each unit would have the same square footage, but more bedrooms. A one bedroom would go to a two bedroom. Two bedroom might turn into a, a three bedroom. And the developers know that the prices that they get are not are only going to be based on the number of bedrooms, the fact that they reduce the square footage for each of those bedrooms or whatever else they did isn't is not going to affect the price they can ask for and get from the housing authority. If I have a regular rental building though, doesn't it kind of become an incentive? You know, why would I take fifteen hundred bucks from Steve when I can take two thousand bucks from the DC Housing Authority? So let me try to get rid of Steve. That I think in many cases, that's exactly what's happening. They have a lot of incentive to get rid of Steve and try to get a voucher holder in there for whom they know they can get uh, a much higher price. And we've seen, we've seen a lot of landlords try to do that. It's in their interest to do that. Can I back up actually even further? The, the big picture here is we have a housing authority. It owns some facilities. Those are public housing projects. It also gives people... Uh, who are needy vouchers that they can then use to rent a privately owned apartment. Is that right? That's exactly right. And among people who get whose housing is paid for by the city, by the district, how many are living in public housing versus private with vouchers? They've got several thousand people uh, in public housing owned by the housing authority. And I don't know the exact number there, but it's it's along the lines of let's say 4,000. And they've got closer to 8,000 of those units, but many of them, unfortunately, are vacant. And they have more than 15,000 vouchers that the housing authority administers for people to live in private buildings or private homes paid for by various entities, but administered so if I am a person who qualifies, I get a voucher from the DC Housing Authority, and then I can take it to any landlord I want, and they will have to accept it, albeit for you know for whatever it's worth. That's exactly right. Landlords in DC are required to accept it if you're a voucher holder, but they don't have to accept a voucher that's worth less than what their apartment would go for. Now there are many ways to get around that because landlords do have a lot of leeway and uh, can be pretty difficult for a voucher holder to many times they don't have a good rental record or often a good credit record and that can make it harder for them but dc unlike many jurisdictions has a law that says you can't not accept somebody just because they have a voucher that they're going to pay for it with that so what does it mean, though, for people who are currently living in you know, rental apartments? It's a city that's obviously very expensive. There's a lot of people who maybe don't qualify for public housing, but whose rent check is a big, tough payment every month. What does this mean for the people who are currently living in those units? What have they told you about this? Well, certainly many 
tenant associations say they are suffering. They say that it provides landlords little incentive to take care of them because in many cases, landlords would like to see them go. And then the landlords still don't have a lot of incentive to take care of the voucher holders because the housing authority is not checking in on those units like it's supposed to. The voucher holders themselves are in many places just are happy to have a place to live and are not focused on how much is getting paid on their behalf. And so the landlord has every incentive to get rid of a market rate tenant who may complain if you don't fix something that needs to be fixed and bring a voucher tenant in who is much less likely to complain or if they do complain, have the means in some cases to pressure a landlord to to make a change. We should say on the other side of that, that the landlords do face issues with voucher holders that they may not face with a market rate tenant. And so there can be advantages and drawbacks to renting to voucher holders. But certainly when you're willing to overpay by hundreds of dollars, that's a pretty big incentive. And what is the effect on like the budget slash the district's ability to provide services for needy people of the fact that they are apparently paying so much more than they ought to be paying for rent on some of these voucher places? Well, certainly to the extent they are overpaying for units for some people, that's less money that they have to rent units for other people who need them. And we know that there are many people out there who do need them and would love to have. And so that's a core responsibility of the housing authority to look after the funds that it has and make sure that it's helping as many people as it can. And when you're overpaying, and in many cases, grossly overpaying on behalf of vouchers, that's not looking after that money the way HUD would like to see how housing authorities look after it. Were there any anecdotes in your reporting that that jump out at you? I mean, you included so many little stories in there about cases where the, the DCHA was grotesquely overpaying. We highlighted one case in a building called the Havana in Northeast DC, where the developer had originally intended to make it condominiums. It's about a 50-unit building, and he was going to make it condominiums. But a few years ago, he changed business plans and decided to go after voucher holders with what probably initially seemed like great success because he quickly filled it with voucher holders who the housing authority was paying about $2,500 a piece for. And this is in an area where 2500 was definitely on the upper end, if not several hundred dollars above what he might have been able to get from market renters there. What quickly happened was he did not take care of the building. In many cases, the tenants did not take care of the building. The place just rapidly deteriorated and the city was not providing the sort of care and services and treatment to those people that in many cases they probably needed to succeed. The place is about to get either sold or foreclosed on. The holding company is in bankruptcy. 
there's only a few tenants left and most of them are really unhappy. Maybe all of them are really unhappy with their living conditions. David, thanks for chatting with me. So like you and I both have cars in the DC metro area and sometimes they're great, but sometimes they can be a hassle. And I heard you had car issues, man. Yes, my car, like me, is old and falling apart. (laughs) And so I wanted to get it fixed. But one of the truly unpleasant tasks I find in the world is getting your car fixed because you have to take it usually somewhere extremely distant, extremely inconvenient, arrange some alternate form of transportation. And so I heard about Rota, rota rota.com. And I went on the rota.com website and they will come and pick your car up, take it from you, and then do the work and bring it back to you. And so I made an appointment on Roto, which was easy as pie, beautiful user interface um, for the work that I wanted done. The valet showed up at around 10 o'clock at my house as exactly on time, very easy, just handed him my keys. He drove off with my car. About an hour later, April called me. She said, here are some things that we found with your car in addition to what you want to do. She sent me videos that Michael- Wait, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a car nerd, so I like want to know the nitty gritty of what's happening because I I don't know stuff. A million percent. They sent me this video. There was a particular belt that was had broken and they sent me a video of it and they sent me a list of sort of here are the things that were recommended. Here are the things that seemed urgent to fix and I could choose what I wanted to fix and sent that back to them, which took me like three minutes. Michael, the technician, fixed it. They then texted me and said, oh, your car is on the way back. My car was back in front of my house at 2.30. I'd given it to them at 10. It was back in front of my house that afternoon. Also, note, the valet did a much better job parking in front of my house than I do. (laughs) Don't they always? So much closer to the curb. And it was an incredibly pleasant, super easy experience. And they were very trustworthy. They were clear about what they were going to fix. And it was incredibly convenient. Yeah. So this like seems like a dream. Uh, I have used them before, but it's been a bit. Would you use them again for something like this? I would use Rota again in a second. I would use Rota. And they have a discount for us too, for CityCast listeners. So if you go to Rota.com, they have the discount code CityCast20 and you get 20% off. Sweet. Uh, Plots, David, thank you so much for talking with me. Again, CityCast listeners, you get 20% off off any Rota service up to $100 using the code CityCast20. So go to Rhoda.com. That's R-O-D-A.com to book your appointment. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So there's also been this issue in the last couple of years in wealthier neighborhoods where there's a lot of political agita and hand-wringing about vouchers in buildings and all of the toxicity that comes with that kind of politics. We don't want them in the neighborhood. How does that intersect with the reporting you have done? I think you can put 
people who may be concerned about voucher holders into to two categories. And one category might be the sort that you're talking about, where maybe it's sort of a NIMBY thing and people just don't want, you know, a poor person living next to them. And then the other category is people who would be very happy to have a poor person living next to them or somebody who doesn't look like them living next to them. But their community has endured this drastic change of character and quality of life by virtue of an influx of voucher holders who in many cases were recently homeless and chronically homeless and in many cases have mental health and addiction problems for which the city is not providing them the treatment and care that they need. And you can imagine the types of situations that can stem from that. And it could be little things like litter to larger things like somebody smoking in the apartment next to you that shouldn't be doing it and you're having to breathe that secondhand smoke to somebody with an addiction problem whose dealer is frequenting the apartment to serve their addiction. You guys reported on some pretty severe dropped balls here. What's the reaction been? What I have heard from, who I have heard from, is folks who are really concerned about quality of life issues in their building and in their community. Uh, so in many cases, I think people have been scared to speak up because they're worried that they will get branded as callous or worse yet, racist or whatever people might say about them for speaking up about an influx of voucher holders in their building. And I think in many cases, they, I think they might feel a little validated and vindicated to read that there's a lot of larger systemic problems here that forces outside of their control that are not working the way they should to try to raise the quality of life for everybody. Can you tell us about some of the failures here at the DCHA, what they have done wrong and how they've reacted to your reporting on it? They've screwed this up in several different ways. We talked earlier about the need to set payment standards and then the need to check for rent reasonableness. And the Housing Authority has not checked for rent reasonableness at all. They've just sort of cut that out of their repertoire. And they've set payment standards in a really haphazard way that has come to a point where it just bears no relationship or resemblance to the market. Wait, 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 wait. They don't check for rent reasonableness. They are supposed to check for rent reasonableness. Did they pretend to check or did they just admit to you and the world that uh, actually we're not doing that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a board member, a housing authority board member, Bill Slover, who realized a few years ago that they were not checking for rent reasonableness and really tried to raise the issue and tried to get the agency to do something about it. And you can see it over the course of board meetings for the last couple of years where the agency director really just declined to listen to what he had to say. And in many cases, he would try to get her to acknowledge that 
the agency was not checking for rent reasonableness. And she would essentially tell him he was wrong. He was misinformed. He was going on. So she claimed, oh, we are checking? Well, you know, <laughs> it's a little more nuanced than that, but they would never get to the heart of the issue. And uh, HUD came in and said very clearly in their report late last year that the agency did not have a reasonableness process and it needed to. And what the director, Brenda Donald, said was that, well, we have been putting the fact that we don't have this process into reports that go to HUD for more than a decade now. And essentially HUD has authorized that and for us to do it that way. And so that's why we're not doing it. And after she gave them that response, she tells me she spoke with them and they told her no, whatever you think we authorized, whatever we may have authorized, you just can't do it that way. And she has now agreed to change it. Will you tell me a little bit about Brenda Donald and then talk about what her reaction has been to your reporting? Brenda Donald was hired to the agency in the summer of 2021. She had been director of Children and Family Services. Mayor Bowser had really praised her work in that role and has supported her. But Brenda Donald did not have housing experience when she came in. Uh, so this learning about housing authorities and real estate has been a learning curve for her. She's had to learn many of these issues on the fly or try to. And she is thought of as Bowser's person and the mayor, does the mayor appoint the whole board or does she have most of the board? The mayor controls the board and she, the mayor controlled the board before, and then it was recently reconstituted and the mayor controls the newly constituted board. And there are a lot of folks, legal advocates out there who say that the recent change has only given the mayor more control over the board. Which is just to say she's the boss and responsibility like authority comes back to her. Yeah, although it's indirect. And I think that she would, a couple of years ago, I think Mayor Bowser would have said that responsibility was not with her, that this was an independent mm -hmm. agency. She's not really taking that position today. She's taking more of a position that she's going to take this on herself and make sure things go right from here forward. So there was this report in like October that was really pretty blistering. It was right before the election about the TCHA leadership. They gave him, as I recall, three months to get it together. It is now March. <laughs> What's happened on that? HUD gave the Housing Authority three months to make substantial progress and then six months to sort of take all the necessary corrective actions. And so that six-month period will end at the end of March. And the Housing Authority has put together hundreds of pages of plans for how it's going to change things and meet these HUD requirements. And they've done that in advance of that end of March deadline. Uh, certainly these changes will not be done by then. So we'll have to see if HUD is satisfied with the pace that they do do it in. Do we know where the DCHA is going to go from here? At some point, I think later this year, they're going to get a new director. Brenda Donald is there 
on a two-year contract, and she's indicated that she doesn't plan to stay past that. And I think between finding a new director and trying to satisfy HUD, we'll just have to see how all that goes. But there's going to be a lot of changes there in the next few months and over those next couple of years. Wait, meantime, if they're if they are going to pull back on some of these overpayments, does that mean there's a lot of landlords, uh, voucher apartments, who are looking like they're about to get an income cut? I doubt it. And part of the reason for that is that Brenda Donald has signaled that whatever changes she makes will probably involve new contracts, new voucher contracts, not current contracts. So I guess there's no guarantee what will happen over time, but I would not expect to see any kind of quick or drastic change in the situation for current rental contracts. Got it. Steve Thompson, thank you very, very much for talking with me. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Before you go, here's some quick news. Congress is coming after another D.C. law, the police reforms that were adopted after the 2020 racial justice protests and made permanent last year. They include a ban on police using neck restraints, and they also aim to weaken the local police union. Republicans are leading the effort, as they did with D.C.'s recently blocked crime bill, and they've got the police union's support. Meanwhile, another billionaire is in the hunt for the Washington commanders. Mitchell Rails has joined the bid that's led by Josh Harris, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils. If Rails' name sounds familiar, that's because he's a co-founder of Danaher Corporation and created the Glenstone Museum in Potomac. And lastly, it's time to start signing up kids for summer camp. And luckily, D.C. is shifting to a lottery system for city-run camps instead of the first-come, first-served system that has been compared to the Hunger Games. The mayor says it'll be more equitable and less stressful this way. You'll have four weeks to register your kid starting at noon today. Finally, today's DC life hack. It's another budget trick. The Kennedy Center posts amazing discounts every week for adults under 30. We'll link to the program in our show notes. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.